0: I'm Dennis Levick. This is my lovely wife Tracy. Hi, I'm John Rednick. We're Barry and Anita Chenault. My name is Edward Devlin. My name is Rosalie Devlin. Hi, we are Brent and Sheila Howell. My name is Matt Leisman. Hi, my name is Hannah Rollins. My
1: name is Chad Peterson.
0: We were able to spend a year at Coastal Chesapeake with the First Impressions team. When we were trying to decide if we were going to go to Chesapeake or not. I mean, we did spend quite a bit of time praying. We would spend time in the car. Uh, we drove over, sat in the parking lot, and we we prayed there. It was just part of our daily prayer. And we continued to pray through Chesapeake and serving in the first impressions. We prayed a lot about what was going on there and and hoping to grow and just seeing how things went. We wanna reach people and there are lost and hurting and lonely and broken people everywhere. And so if we can join together and pray for those campuses. We don't know where God might lead us. So to see that campus grow, even just while we were there, there were new families that were coming and people were committing their membership. There were children, the children's area was growing. And I know that that will continue. And just that mix of people that God brought together to to start it and to kick it off. I'm just so, it was such a privilege to be part of that. And I'm so overwhelmed that we got to be there. And every time that we hear about Coastal Chesapeake and we see our friends, we're excited. We're so excited about what God is doing there. And we know that he's going to continue it.
1: Man, Barry and Anita served here for a year and helped us kind of get revitalized. We're so grateful for them and their story and what God has done in their lives. And also what he's doing through our church as well. Hey guys, going to get out to your bulletins today. And in your bulletins, there's a couple of quick announcements I just want to point out. Uh, the very first one is I know we've said this so many times, but small group season just started. Hey, one of the main things we want to do is grow together in community through small groups. So if you have not connected to a group, this is the season to do that as well. Test drive a group for the next eight weeks. Join in, lean in, and watch what God does in your life as you're part of a group. And then we mentioned this last week, but we're going to be doing a trunk or treat coming up as well. Um, So start praying praying now how you can be a part of that how you can join in on this outreach to the community. I mean, there's nothing like giving people sugar and an invitation to come to church. Um, So start praying about how you can host a trunk and even volunteer at that. And we're going to be rolling out how you can sign up um, this week as well. So look for the email on that and look for the connection point with that as well. And then we are COSOs today right after church. We are COSOs are official introduction to who we are as a church. And whether you've just started coming or whether you've been coming for a while, this is your chance to really see the full picture of who we are as a church, where God is leading us, and then how you can fit into that picture. So it'll be straight out of these, these doors to the left. Even if you didn't sign up, we might have some extra meals for you as well. So we'd love to have you come to We are Coastal after the service is over today. Have you ever had to wrestle with a decision, I mean, really wrestle with a decision. And then even in all that wrestling with a decision, trying to figure out, did you think about how maybe what you're actually trying to do is figure out what it was that God was wanting to do in your life? What was God's plan? Church, I'm talking about a decision where the very direction of your life could change. I'm talking about a decision that might result in you moving to a new place. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, small decisions like whether or not you're gonna get chicken strips or nuggets at Chick-fil-A, okay? Like, I'm talking about really wrestling with a decision, really wrestling with whether or not this relationship that you're in is gonna be settled down or it's about to blow up. The type of decision that involves, it's really gonna be something that's going to cost you something that's gonna have some dollar signs behind it. And then in all of that wrestling with trying to make this decision, did you ever try to seek the will of God? In all of that, trying to figure out that decision, how much it's searching for, praying for, looking for what God wanted to do actually have on that decision? Before I trusted Christ 22 years ago, I would just date for the sake of dating. Uh, getting into relationship after relationship, and then the pattern would continue like this. There would be, uh, I would be in a relationship, and then after one or two months, I would break up out of that relationship. There would be some sadness, and then after another month or two, I would find somebody else and get back into another relationship. And then it was 22 years ago when I realized that Jesus had been after my heart. 22 years ago, when I realized that I was a sinner in need of a savior, and even though I was trying to run this life into the ground because of the sin in my life, like through Christ, there could be renewal in this life. So I trusted Jesus as Lord. And there were some things that immediately, church, changed in my life. But there were some things God still needed to work on. And one of them was this pattern of dating that I had been continuing in. In fact, after trusting Christ, there were two more relationships that I got into, and it was the same pattern when they ended in heartbreak, and I was just dating for the sake of dating. And I started to think, you know what? God must have a design, a plan, even for relationships, even for marriage. He must have a plan for that. So I started to think, you know what? Uh, one of the first verses I memorized is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So even in this, this pattern of dating, it had to go away because there has to be something better. There has to be something better that God wants me to do. So this is what I did. I decided to seek God on relationships and on marriage. So I told God what I was going to do, and I told him what was gonna happen. Anyone of you ever told God what he was gonna do? Raise your hand up. You ever told God what he was gonna do? The rest of you guys are liars, you're gonna have a flat tire after church, and your left toe is gonna tingle a little bit. But I told God, this is what I said to him. I said, God, I'm gonna take the next few months off and I'm gonna seek you. I'm gonna pray. I wanna know your will in this, your design for relationships. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna take the next few months, maybe a year. But right at the end of that year, this is what I told him. I said, I want you to bring me a good wife. And I can remember, I mean, I was a young Christian then. I, as I was praying that and thinking that, I had this picture in my mind that he was literally going to bring somebody to my door at the year mark. And that person would be like, God told me you were the one. Like, I really picture that in my mind that as I'm praying this at the very end, like, that person's gonna show up on my door and knock at my door and be like, God told me you were the one. I'm supposed to be with you. Now, in praying that, in praying that, what I really wanted was actually my will. What I really wanted was my will to be done in my timing in my way. And yes, I was going to seek God on that just a little bit. I didn't want to know what he said, but at the end of the day, what I wanted was my will and my way for it to be done. Now, I think the Lord knew that I had way more prayers that I needed to pray, way more seeking than I needed to do, and way more things that he needed to prune out of me, because it wasn't until six years later that I proposed to my wife, and seven years later that we actually got married from that point where I made this deal with God. But it's been through that season that once we got to that point, once I met her and got to that point where I was thinking, man, I'm going to propose to this woman and marry her, I went into another season of wrestling with God. Right before I went to propose to her, I really wanted to seek God's will. Now, it wasn't because my wife, Anna, was some secret criminal or that she was doing weird things like drinking snake blood or dressing up like a baby. It wasn't anything like that. Nothing weird about her, even though she did have this collection of dolls that I thought was really strange. But other than that, like there was nothing weird about her whatsoever. But what I wanted to do as I was getting ready to step into the next chapter, I really wanted to seek the will of God. Even in stepping to this next chapter, I didn't want it to be all about me. I really wanted his will, his design for marriage, his design for this relationship. And I I remember praying in that season before I proposed, praying and just asking the Lord, God, is is this really this picture of a Proverbs 31 woman that you said in your word? God, is this really the woman that I can have an Ephesians chapter five relationship with, where I'm gonna love her as Christ loves the church? where she's gonna, she's gonna submit to me out of reverence for Christ, where we're gonna have this relationship where there is this love and respect and this mutual submission that happens in Ephesians chapter five. God, is this really the woman that you're gonna to use to help keep me in alignment with what you wanna do in me and through me? God, is this really the type of woman that you're gonna have where I can spend the rest of my life with her? We're on that day when I say to her until death do us part from this day forward. Is that the type of woman that you've brought here that I've been praying for that we're about to step into this relationship with, into this marriage with? Now, the good news is she was praying the same thing. She wanted to be in alignment with God's will and his design for marriage She was praying the same thing as what she wanted as well. Now, fast forward, uh, just this past August, we celebrated 15 years of marriage. Um, In fact, I have a picture of when we were younger right here. Look at those young people over there on the left right there. We celebrated 15 years of marriage together. But through the season, there's been this constant praying for and seeking the will of God. And there's something about when you pray for and seek God's will that he leads you to and keeps you in alignment with what he ultimately wants to do, even when life is challenging. And let me just say, church, like, even though we've been married for so long, things have not been perfect. In fact, we were sinners saved by grace. We are still sinners in need of grace. And she's a way worse sinner than I am. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love her. But we've been through some stuff. Man, we've been through a miscarriage. We've been through a foreclosure. No money in our bank account. We've been through birthing three kids. That's more so her than me. Adopting one child, three cats, nine different moves. We've been through some very painful seasons as we've lost loved ones. But through all of it, seeking God seeking his will, staying in alignment with him. There's something about going through that and going through thick and thin with God leading the way, really trying to keep up with his agenda, what it is that he wants to do that will get you through whatever it is you're going through. And all of that to say, church, like through thick and thin and through prayer, seeking God's will, it has been vital to our relationship. And I really don't know how we would have made it, how we would even be thriving at this point without seeking the Lord in prayer consistently. When I was at Liberty University all the time, they would say nothing of eternal significance takes place apart from prayer. And then pastor and author John Piper, he says this about prayer. He says that prayer is the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. Prayer is an expression of faith in God's power, fueled by a desire for more of him. Church, what I'm trying to remind you of that as we're going through this series of prayer, as you're wrestling with a decision, it's so important to remember that prayer is foundational, it is relational, and it is positional. It is foundational because if we wanna become authentic followers of Jesus, it's not something that we just do, it is necessary for us. Praying is one of the ways that we abide in Christ and we grow in him. It is relational because we are really talking to a father in heaven, a real God who really does care about us, a real God who is what scripture says is imminent, which means that he wants to be close. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wasn't the type of God where some people say like, he kind of made you and then left you there to figure it out on your own. He wants to have a relationship with you. And it is positional because yes, God is imminent. He wants to be close, but he is also transcendent. He is far above. He is our father in heaven. Like even Isaiah would say that his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. His ways are so much greater than our ways. So this is the type of God that we submit our lives to. His holiness is unmatched. And when we see our Heavenly Father, we will see ourselves as a humble child who is in need. Now this week, as we're in the next part of the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate that hopefully, I think you're going to like about 90% of this message today, okay? But there's 10% of this message, I'm telling you right up front, that you will not like. In fact, you may not even come back to this church after you hear the last 10% of the message today, But today we're gonna look at the second prompt of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six, verse 10. And Jesus simply said, pray like this. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever really thought about what it means to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. In fact, if you're wrestling with a decision right now and you don't know what to do, this message is for you today. If you are wondering what in the world that God is trying to do either in you or around you, this message is for you today. If you feel like you've lost your way, I've been praying that this message would help light the way and you can take a step to where it is that God wants you to be. But before we get into it, let's just take one more moment And pray. Father God, God, we praise you because you are good. God, we praise you because you are holy. Well, God, we praise you because there's no one else in this universe like you. God, you are so far above, so much higher, so much better, so much greater than anyone else or anything else in this universe. But yeah, you desire, you desire to be in relationship with us. You desire to be our father, to be close. And God, today, as, as we look at this next way that your son said how to pray, God, I pray that we, it would be our desire that we would pray and seek your kingdom to come. God, I pray again, no matter what direction that we've been going, God, we pray that your will will be done in our lives. There's no better place to be than seeking you, trusting you, following your will. So God, I pray that for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're taking notes today, if we're talking about the will of God and prayer, write this down. The first point is pray your kingdom come. Simply pray your kingdom come. But what type of kingdom is it that we're praying for? And then what does it even mean to pray, God, your kingdom come? Now, notice that Jesus said, look, pray your kingdom come. Now, he's not talking about uh, your kingdom or your kingdom or your kingdom or Andrew's kingdom. We are to pray that God's kingdom will come. Our father's kingdom will come. And this is the prayer for the establishment of the kingdom of God a kingdom by God for his honor and then for us, not by us, for God. There's a huge difference, church. Again, remember, part of prayer is positional. Church, we are not trying to build our own kingdom, but instead we are trying to build his kingdom and bring our lives into what he wants, building this kingdom for his glory. And how we pray and how we play in a part of God's kingdom is all about building his kingdom. Now, now, don't miss this, okay? How many of you guys actually listened to the sermon from last week? Raise your hand if you listened to the sermon from last week. Okay, two people uh, heard the sermon last week. But last week, Hunter Boone and I hit up part one of this series. And we looked at verses five through nine of chapter six. And right before Jesus says to pray like this, he's giving his disciples a couple of examples on how not to pray, pointing to the people who would often pray all about themselves, pointing to the people who would often pray for themselves. But as Jesus gives this next prompt in the model prayer, this is a positional placement of our hearts to bring it into alignment with what God wants to build and bring people into. So again, we pray, God, your kingdom come, our Father's kingdom come, God's kingdom to come right here on earth. But what type of kingdom does God want us to pray for? Now, this is not by any means an exhaustive list, but when we think about what God wants us to pray for and the type of kingdom that he's building, here's a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, First thing is that he wants us to pray for what he desires in his kingdom is that we would surrender to his authority. Look, this kingdom that we are to pray for it has a king and we are to pray and submit to that king's authority. This kingdom that God is building is where the Lord reigns. This kingdom is both a spiritual Jesus-centered ideal, but it's also this physical kingdom being built as his children obey him and trust him and follow his will and his ways wherever they are planted. It's what the Apostle Paul even talked about in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, where he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That is surrendering to the authority of God, looking at everything that he wants to happen in his life, but making the Lord the main focus. In fact, Jesus himself will model this same thing while he was here on earth, submitting to the will of the father. Again, showing us what it means for us to pray this, but also work toward building God's kingdom. And Jesus would say in John chapter eight, he would say, when you have lifted up the son of God, then you will know that I am he. And then I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Church, just last week, we talked about when you're thinking about this model prayer that Jesus gave, to think P-R-A-Y, to think that P stands for praise. Again, we praise God for who he is. We thank him for what he's done. But also as we're praying to think, okay, God, search my heart. What do I need to repent of? Is there anything out of alignment in me, any sin in me that I need to confess to you or even need to go repent to somebody else? And then we ask God for our needs. But then the why is something that we need to think about as we're praying, that we need to yield our lives to his. We submit ourselves to the king, his kingdom authority. Again, what he wants to do, his kingdom agenda. But also in this kingdom, what God desires in his kingdom is that there will be unity and one accord. Have you ever heard the statement before? A kingdom divided against itself will not stand. You guys heard that statement before? You know, I think a lot of times people think it was either Abraham Lincoln or maybe Martin Luther King or some other great order like Winston Churchill who said that, but it was Jesus who said that. Matthew chapter twelve, verse twenty-five, it says, "Every kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, laid to waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand." Church, Jesus wants us to pray for unity in His kingdom and in His church. The gospel was meant to tear down walls that so many people are trying to build up. And have you ever noticed that one of the main tools of the enemy is to try to cause division, especially within the church. But again, listen to what Jesus's desire was as he was praying in John chapter 17. He says, look, I do not ask for these only, talking about the disciples that were right there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us today. may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Church, the type of unity that God wants to build in his kingdom is so powerful that people will look at the unity in his church, in his people, and they will know that Jesus really is Lord. They will know that he was really sent. This is the type of unity that Jesus is praying for that we need to be praying for to build his kingdom but also look at this future picture that John got in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. Look at the future unity that's going to exist in heaven. John says, look, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands." and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and all the elders and four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Church, this is what we're heading toward, but this is what Jesus is praying for. When we're thinking about building his kingdom and praying for his kingdom, why wouldn't we pray for and move toward a little bit of that right here on earth? God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Again, that's one of the things that we're praying for right here in this local body, for God to grow his kingdom, that we would reflect our community. Chesapeake right now is 56% white, 29% black, about 7% Asian, about 5% Hispanic. And we want to reflect our community as we're reaching our community to bring a little bit of heaven right here to earth, to pray for that type of unity that really crosses boundaries that were meant to, people are building up, but the gospel is intended to break down. We pray for and participate in this Jesus-centered, gospel-centered unity. When we do that, we are participating in the kingdom that God is building, bringing a little bit of his kingdom right here to earth. But see, when we're also praying for God's kingdom to come, we're also praying that we would move on his agenda. There needs to be movement on his agenda. Many of you have heard the Great Commission before, but listen to the agenda that Jesus wants to happen in his kingdom. It says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And then Peter will write this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God has an agenda. It's his kingdom agenda to bring people in and to build his kingdom. You know, there is this sense of urgency, but also this sense of patience in these verses. We are to pray for and invite and bring people into the kingdom of God. This is what we need to be praying toward and moving toward, God's kingdom agenda. Man, the kingdom of God church, it spreads from person to person through the preaching of the gospel and the ministry of the local church. Church, we are passionate here about the local church. And why do I want you to find a place to serve within this local church? Why do I want you to be able to connect together on Sunday mornings and get your faith energized and revitalized and connect with God? Why do we want you to grow together in small groups? Why do I ask you to give to fuel the mission to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ? Why do I ask you to give toward the mission to help multiply what God's doing in our church all around the Hampton Roads area? Because this is how God builds his kingdom through the local church. There's no better tool on earth to show people the incredible love of God and to show what he wants to do in his kingdom than the local church. Church, we say it all the time around here that you don't just come to church, but that you are the church. But hey, you know what? You are building his church. You are building his kingdom. So we pray for and we participate in and we invite others into it. On your seat today, there is an invite card. I want everyone to grab that card, wave it at me. I want you to to see that card. Wave it at me. I want you to wave it. I'm not going to stop saying this. Everyone waves that card. I uh, see some people not waving it. I don't know if you hear me. Is my microphone on? Grab the card, wave it at me. Everyone needs to wave it. I see one person back there still not waving the card. Why aren't you waving the card? Somebody wave the card. Everyone needs to wave the card. Anyone else uh, right there, wave the card. Okay. Everyone got an invite today because we are to invite people into God's kingdom. We are to invite people into a relationship with the Lord. Again, right now here in Chesapeake alone, 65% of people in this area do not go to church anywhere. I wanna challenge you church that in this season that you will consider this a season of invitation. We need to build, we need to pray for and we need to build God's kingdom. With that card right there, don't just take it and throw it away, okay? Or use it as a bookmark. But I want you to take that card and to pray, God, who is it that I need to give this invitation to? And to help extend that a little bit more, I heard a story just a few weeks ago that someone was driving around Chesapeake And they saw one of our little coastal bumper stickers on someone's car. And then they saw that, they Googled the church and ended up coming to this church and joining this church. So I wanted to tell you something that I did and please don't hate me for this. Please forgive me for this, okay? But what we did while you're sitting in this church service today, um, I had someone go out to the parking lot and they took a coastal magnet and they put on every single one of your cars that do not have a coastal sticker on it, okay? So every car has a magnet on it. Now, don't worry, you can take it off of your car. If you're offended, and if there's any damage to your car, email me at brian at gocoastal.org, and then, you know, he'll take care of all the damages. We'll take care of that. But church, there's something about, okay? Again, being salt and light wherever God has placed you to let people know, look, God's kingdom, it's right here. It's you. And you may even say, you know what, sometimes I cut people off. Well, you know what, I think that's an extra opportunity for them to see that bumper sticker and to Google a little bit longer, even in their anger, God's gonna use that to save them and redeem them and bring them into his kingdom. But what ways can you invite? What ways can you bring people into his kingdom? And God wants us to share the gospel live the gospel and to invite people into what he's doing in his kingdom. We pray, God, your kingdom come, but we also participate in it. Second thing I want you to write down is that we simply need to pray, God, your will be done. We need to pray for God's will to be done. And when we're doing this, I know a lot of times we ask the question, God, what is your will? God, what is your plan And people automatically go to, look, does God want me to marry this specific person? Does God want me to be single forever? Does God want me to have this particular job in this particular city and to live in this particular city on this street in this particular house? But before we answer that, what has this prayer been all about so far? This model prayer that Jesus gave as we pray our Father in heaven. As we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. As we're now praying, God, your kingdom come, your agenda, what you want to accomplish, what I need to submit my life to. What has the prayer been all about so far? It's been all about him. What does he want to do in us and through us? So even when you're thinking about the will of God, it comes right back to we need to make sure that our hearts are in alignment with his will, Look, he's teaching his disciples, God, we need to pray your will be done for the will of God to be done. But have you ever thought about what are some of the parts of the will of God that we need to pay attention to? Again, when we're praying for God's will to be done. What are some of the things that we need to consider as we're praying for his will? Write this down. Part of God's will is simply that you are to be blessed. You're to be blessed, church, Now, this is a part of God's will that we all love and enjoy. God wants to bless his children. Part of God's will is that right now, even here on earth, that you would experience some happiness, that you would experience some joy, that you would experience the blessings of God. In fact, if you read the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, it's called the Beatitudes, and every one of those verses in there begins with the word blessed. In the original language, that simply means happier. And Jesus would say, you know, blessed are those who thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Happier are those who are seeking righteousness, because they will experience satisfaction. He's saying, look, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And when you are seeking his holiness, look, he's saying he's going to bless you by, with his presence. You're going to see God. He says, blessed, happier are the peacemakers for they'll be called sons of God. Part of his blessing that you would experience your new identity in Christ. That the old is gone and that the new is come that you are a new creation in him. You are a child of God. You have a new identity. This is a blessing from the Lord. Man, John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, look, I've come to give them life abundantly. In the original language, it means overflowing to the full, pouring over. He wants you to experience the blessings that comes with knowing him. Philippians 4.19, Paul writes, look, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now that the father has adopted you into his family, you are co-heir with Christ. There's no need he can't meet. There's nothing that God doesn't want to bless you with. All of your needs can be met with the great riches of Christ. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So even church, when you're giving to fuel the mission to develop authentic followers of Jesus, even when you're giving to meet somebody else's else's need, even in that, God wants to bless you. He wants you to experience blessings while you're here on earth. That is part of his will. That is what we pray for, that he would bless us and that he would bless others, that we would even be a blessing to God. But also part of his will is that you would feel secure. You can be secure in the will of God. Man, Psalm chapter 46, verses one through two talks about how God is a refuge and a strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. No matter what you're going through, he is that refuge. Man, Proverbs 18 says that God is, the name of the Lord is this mighty tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, Jesus said, Look, I have saved them. No one can take them from my hand. The enemy may mess with them, but no one can take my sheep from me. When you trust Jesus, no one can take away that salvation that he gave. And Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Even during times of anxiety, he gives this peace that transcends all understanding. It guards your heart, it keeps you secure. It guards your heart and it guards your mind in Christ Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he has said, Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, we can securely say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man, what can anyone else do to me? Because I am secure in my relationship with Jesus. He will never let me go. He will never leave me. Church, there's security for the believer in God's will for you. He will never leave you nor abandon you. Now, you remember how I said 90% of this message you are hopefully gonna like today. Well, here's the 10%, part of God's will that we don't necessarily enjoy. It's a part of God's will that's hard and a part of God's will that can be very challenging. I want you to write this down. As part of God's will, sometimes you will suffer. Have you ever prayed for something? You sought God's will on something. And you were praying, you thought you were in alignment with the Lord. You thought everything was going to work out in the right way, in the best way. But things actually got worse after you prayed. Maybe you were praying for a new car and you went and got that car. You even paid cash for it because you wanted to be a good steward this time. You didn't want to have this this crazy car payment. You went and saved up, bought the car. You had your dad check it out. You had your mechanic check it out. You Googled to make sure that car was working right. You did everything to make sure that car was working in good order. And now that car is demon possessed with all the problems that it's having. It has so many problems and you, you thought, God, I, I prayed for what was right and what was good, but now it seems like that car has more problems than you could possibly have thought or imagined. It's when you pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. And you've actually invited people to come into his kingdom. Man, you have prayed for people to enter into a relationship with him. You've shared the gospel. You've done your quiet time. You've given the fuel of the mission. You've done every single thing right. But yet right now, it seems like that sickness you have will not get better. This is when you've been praying for the person that you were in relationship with you were hoping and praying for it was going to work out and you did everything. You prayed with them, you prayed for them, you shared Christ with them, but yet they still ended up walking away. It's so when you prayed for your kids, when you took them to church, you helped them memorize scripture. You even saw them profess faith in Christ. Come on, you invested in them. You paid for, for them to go to all these summer camps. Yet right now, they're in this prodigal season where it seems like they are so far from God. I can remember when I first trusted Christ, I would watch a lot of TV preachers and there, there's nothing wrong with some of the TV preachers, but some people on TV, they would say things like, God only wants to bless you. God only wants you to have peace and security. And church, yes, that is true, but once you've been walking with Jesus, even just for a minute, you will still experience brokenness and trials and tribulations and even suffering. This at times can even seem like a contradiction in the Christian faith, but this is part of seeking and praying for God's kingdom to come, that his will would be done that we don't like. This is where it can seem like our prayers are indeed hidden the ceiling. God, are you even listening to what I'm asking for? This is where it can seem like prayer doesn't do anything. So why in the world would we continue to pray? But church, I wanna challenge you that even in a tough season, even in difficulty, even in suffering, pray. God never said it wouldn't be this way, but he actually told us it would be this way. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 12, Paul writes, he says, look, indeed, all, everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Peter will write in first Peter chapter two, verse 20, he says, when you do good, even if you're doing everything right, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing. And church, I I, I don't know if I fully even understand that line. I I, I don't know if if I even wanna receive that or even try to understand it, but God says, Peter writes, look, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. And then right before Jesus goes to the cross, right before he was gonna pay the price and suffer greatly for our sins, listen to what Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 26, it says, "'Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, "'and he said to his disciples, "'Sit here while I go over there and pray.'" And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And the son of God was suffering. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. In other words, pray with me. And going a little bit farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know, it would look like Jesus was going to be trying to find a way out of his suffering. Sometimes people looked at this prayer and saying, Jesus is trying to find a way to get out of this. And he maybe even didn't want to do this. And maybe he just kind of said, okay, God, if this is what you really want, I'm going to do this as he's getting ready to go to the cross to suffer and to die. To others outside, it would look like this prayer was the beginning of the end for Jesus. That was going to lead to him suffering, his disciples abandoning him, and even to his death. Some people have tried to say that Jesus was trying to find a way out. But church, he wasn't trying to find an exit. He was about to open a door. It was God's will that Jesus would suffer for us. It was God's will that he would go to the cross and pay the price for our sins. It was God's will that, yes, he would die, but three days later, he would bodily rise from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the grave. It was God's will that this would create an open door so that whomever would call on the name of the Lord, they would be saved. That whomever would call on his name would be able to enter into his relationship that with him and whoever calls on his name would also be able to receive the grace that they would need even when they were suffering. See, it's even in suffering with this relationship with Jesus that there is hope. Even in suffering, there is blessing. You might even be coming to one of the most fruitful seasons of your life as God prunes some things out of you through suffering. And I'm telling you right now, church, if you are suffering, whatever it is you're going through, pray. Even though it's hard, don't stop praying. Praying, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth, right here in my life. And God, I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't even want it, but God, I want your will to be done. And as our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, Church, I just want to challenge you that no matter what it is, wherever you find yourself today, align yourself with God's kingdom agenda. Pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. James chapter 5 verse 13 says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. And so during this last song, as we sing, I'm gonna ask our worship team to go, our our prayer team to go and make their way down front. And prayer team, I want you to maybe stand over here on the sides and while we're singing this last song, if you are in a season right now, man, and life is just heavy, it is heavy right now. Maybe you're wrestling with a decision. Maybe you're wrestling with a a direction your life needs to go. Whatever it is, I wanna challenge you that you would mark this moment and pray. Or maybe right now, there's someone that you know that's far from God and you know you need, they need God's kingdom to come and to intersect their lives, to come down and to pray for that person. But right now, whatever it is you're going through, as we sing this last song, would you take a moment and pray, God, in this area of my life for this person, even if it's hard, pray God, your kingdom come and your will be done. Father Lord, I I just thank you God for who you are. And again, Lord, I praise you for the things that you've done. And God, I praise you that you are a heavenly father. And Lord, even through suffering, God, even through tough times, God, I pray that we would pray that your will will be done in our lives. God, sometimes in that moment, we have no idea what you're doing. But Lord, we know that you are working. And I pray during those times, God, that you would bring our hearts into alignment with you. God, that we would get into alignment with your kingdom agenda, what you want to accomplish even the, during those tough seasons. God, I pray that we will come into alignment with you and trust you like we never have before. Lord, let it be the cry of our hearts that we would build your kingdom, not our own, but also, Lord, to seek your will and to live in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, just stand and sing one more song.